Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lastico of the Des Moines Register from Camp Randall Stadium, joined by Tyler Tashman, who's on the uh, illness uh, short-term IR, I believe. But uh, Tyler obviously covering this game for us uh, from home today. But uh, uh, what a win, 15-6 uh, to six over Wisconsin. Uh, the Hawkeyes pretty much executed uh, their game plan to perfection Uh didn't need to throw the ball much. They didn't want to make mistakes. They didn't commit any turnovers. They rushed for 200 yards, the most against Wisconsin in 15 years. This is never an easy game. Uh, it rarely is pretty up here in Madison. But, Tyler, uh, the Hawkeyes pull off a win that, that moves them to 6-1 and one overall, 3-1 and one in the Big Ten, and suddenly uh, in first place in the Big Ten West, but also uh, in control uh, almost uh, – unexpectedly at this point. I feel like we kind of have to talk about the, I guess the magnitude of what this win does because it, it puts Iowa in the, in the driver's seat of the big 10 West. And now they have one loss in the big 10 and uh, Wisconsin has one loss. They, Wisconsin also has to play Ohio state and uh, the schedule, the way, you know, if they both have the same amount of losses, uh, Iowa has the tiebreaker because they beat Wisconsin. So um, obviously this was just a huge, huge win in terms of taking a step and getting to Indianapolis in that Big Ten championship game. But, um, you know, I haven't been around the beat long enough to know what like a, you know, a vintage Iowa defensive performance looks like. But, you know, today looked like what I would have imagined it to be, just the defense. It feels like we've kind of seen it. Uh, grow, you know, right in front of our eyes this season with, it wasn't like at any point it was really bad or anything, but there were just some kind of minor slip ups and, and you could tell there was a slight drop off between last season and this season. And, and that was expected because of some of the guys that, or I guess not surprising given some of the guys that I will lost this off season. Um, but on the other hand, uh, it feels like the, over the last few weeks, it's really come together uh, Iowa didn't allow an offensive touchdown against Michigan State, uh, then allows just 14 points to Purdue and then just six points um, to Wisconsin today. So it feels like the defense is just absolute dominant form right now. Yeah, I just counted it up. Wisconsin had 15 possessions today. Uh, here is the uh, here is exactly how they all went. Turnover and downs, that was a major turning point in this game. Still not sure why you don't take points against a really challenged Iowa offense, but they went for it. Fourth and one uh, inside the uh, the red zone. Cooper DeGene comes in and stuffs Braylon Allen for a two-yard loss. Uh, that was easily Wisconsin's most successful drive of the day. Uh, the rest of the drives went punt, 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 halftime. Field goal, field goal. Punt, safety, punt, fumble, interception. Uh, obviously, Jay Higgins' fumble recovery, Sebastian Castro's interception uh, put this game away. And, uh, yeah, the Hawkeyes score eight points in the fourth quarter. 
um, to extend that seven to six lead to 15 to six, which is your final score. Uh, to me, uh, I'm almost beside myself that I'm still getting emails griping about how the Hawkeyes are winning because it's, it's frankly, any of you that are complaining, it's completely ridiculous at this point. Yes, the offense you know, could be better, but this was the exact formula that Iowa had to replicate with Deacon Hill at quarterback. He's not, uh, he's not really meant to be in this moment. You lose Eric All on the second possession of the game to probably a season-ending injury. That's what it sounds like. Uh, we won't know for sure until Monday. Um, so you're down to your number – and Addison Estrenga didn't dress. So you're down to your number four tight end, five tight end, six tight end. You're still running 13 personnel. Uh, Deacon Hill throws six of 14 for 37 yards, and Iowa rushes for 200 yards and wins. So um, – uh, that to me is outstanding coaching, outstanding execution, outstanding toughness. Uh, Kirk Ferentz saying today, we couldn't have done this three weeks ago, referencing the Penn State game, that this team has grown, and that's exactly how you want your team to grow from losses, like what we experienced, Tyler, in State College. That was a miserable night. We both wondered where the season would go from there. What they've done is found a way to pull out a win against Michigan State, in the game, Cade McNamara got hurt in the first quarter. They somehow came back to win that. Found a way against Purdue, a, a longtime program nemesis last week. Uh, you know, with the defense kind of getting cranking up with the sacks, uh, you know, the D-line kind of coming together. So you see the D-line improving. You saw the O-line improve somewhat last week. They really had their best game today. Like I said, you don't get 200 yards against Wisconsin on the ground very often. And it's been 15 years since that happened. And, and credit to LeSean Williams, because frankly, in that Iowa State game, he you probably look at him as being the third back with what uh, Jazz Patterson did uh, with, with who Caleb Johnson is. Uh, and then he's asked to take on a bigger role with, with both. The, or First, it was Caleb Johnson going out, then Jazz Patterson going out, and, and LeSean is kind of the featured, thrown in as the featured guy has that really tough fumble against Michigan State that Michigan State took back for a touchdown. Um, it hasn't been all great for him this season, but, I mean, what a performance. He goes for 174 yards on the ground, uh, gets through on that big touchdown run, which ended up being the lone touchdown run of the game. Credit to um, Iowa's offensive line as well for, um, you know, opening up those holes. But, uh yeah, no, I do think the offensive line, and it was pretty clear that it was they didn't want Deacon Hill to make mistakes. They wanted the ball to get in in the running back's hands, and um, you know, it's it's hard to run when the defense knows that's what's coming, and it was pretty obvious that that was the case uh, today. But uh, they still were able to be effective enough on the ground, and um, I feel like anything that Deacon Hill adds at this point is a plus that you just try to rely on the run game and uh, anything that Deacon Hill can kind of add is, is an added benefit, but uh, no credit to LeSean Williams. Cause I don't, as much as I was defense played a role in this game, you know, I don't, I don't think they win with without with what, without what LeSean Williams did as well. Yeah, great point. And uh, LeSean Williams and Sebastian Castro attend the same high school in Chicago, Richards High School, and uh, probably were the two best players uh, not named Tory Taylor in the, to play in this ball game. Uh, we'll get to Tory, I'm sure, at some point. Yeah, LeSean Williams, 25 carries, 174 yards. Caleb Johnson did carry 17 times, only 35 yards. So really, 
this was a Lee Sean Williams game. He ran for tough yards and uh, he talked about his 82 yard run, uh, how he, he was actually upset with himself. He thought it should have been an easier 82 yard touchdown run. But uh, one thing I put, I hope you guys read my thoughts column, which are now updated uh, after the game with quotes and videos. Uh, but Leishon talked about how Brian Ferentz, offensive coordinator, embattled, uh, sat down with them this week and, and pointed out to them, hey, you guys are hitting the holes a little bit too fast. We need you to you know, be a little bit patient in the hole, wait for the lanes to open up because these guys are starting to create some creases up front. And lo and behold, uh, Leishon Williams you know, kind of stutter steps. He said that wasn't intentional, but it did seem to set up that run. And the hole just opened up, and he's he uh, slammed through that hole. Uh, one more point on Leishon was uh, Kirk Ferentz said, "Yeah, you know, Leishon Williams did not really look good uh, in the third quarter of that Michigan State game, but he's uh, but he's bounced back. He's had uh, he's now playing better." And then he said the same thing about Drew Stevens. Great point. I thought that was a really good point by Kirk because Drew missed two field goals last week. Yeah, one was blocked, but I, I, it was a low kick. It deserved to be blocked. He missed two field goals last week, and here, uh, Tyler, uh, fourth and a half a yard uh, from outside Wisconsin's 30-yard line in a 7-6 to six ball game. I I, I uh, commented to Scott Docterman on my right, Tom Kagan on my left. It's like, just sneak it. Just get the first down. Like, that Kirk sends out the field goal team, and Drew Stevens knocks through a 48-yard field goal, kind of validating the decision and then after he makes it, I'm, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I was up four points now, and Wisconsin's going to need a touchdown to win this game. Uh, that was a huge moment that I feel like at that point the defense kind of started to take over, and you saw that with the safety on the very next possession. And something that isn't going to show up as much in the box score, but I just feel like Iowa was the more physical team. Like these are two programs that pride themselves on physicality. And I feel like Iowa was the, like the more physical of the two. Some of the defensive hits, I mean, Sebastian Cashel looked like a locomotive coming downhill. Uh, the Jay Higgins hit that took out Tanner Mordecai, you hate to see a guy go out um, with an injury. But, I mean, Jay Higgins just lined him up. It was a clean hit. Uh, some, I mean, Aaron Graves, the, the fumble he forced, YA Black and Sebastian Cashel who were in on that safety. The thing is, it's like it. Cooper DeGene, I think, is pretty obviously the star on the defense, but it feels like they're getting contributions from so many different guys that um, it's a collective effort more than just one or two singular guys. And um, but the physicality piece of it too is that I, I, when you talk about growth from the Penn State game, I I don't feel like we could say the same thing about that game. In in that game, Penn State was quite clearly the aggressor, the more physical team at the point of attack. And now there is obviously a gap between Wisconsin and Penn State, but to be able to go on the road in a difficult environment and and to be able to show that toughness against a program that is very similar to Iowa in that fashion, and to be pretty clearly the more uh, physically you know physical and aggressive team, I thought was pretty telling. Yeah, let's talk about Tory Taylor, huh? It's uh, he was the first guy into the post game. Uh, for those that missed uh, my tweet, uh, they were playing jump around in the locker room after the win. Uh, Sebastian Castro saying, yeah, you kind of got to play jump around when you win. You beat Wisconsin here in Madison. So it was kind of fun. If you listen to my video on the website, it's like Tory Taylor's talking and like jump arounds like audio is in the back <laughs> background. 
But man, uh, one of the best games he's ever had. I mean, f- over 500 yards and punts. And I know you weren't here, Tyler, but the winds were very strong here today. It was, they did die down a little bit as the game went on. These were difficult kicking conditions. And Torrey Taylor uh, muscled his punts through the wind, almost above the wind. I mean, <laughs> they were, they were like breathtaking how high and deep they were. And, and, the, and the punt returner for, for Wisconsin was, you know, he didn't know whether he should line up and, and come up and scoop some of them. They were directionally away from him. A couple of them went over his head. He obviously muffed the one punt that ended up turning into Drew Stevens' fourth quarter field goal because uh, that kind of finally flipped the field uh, after Drew Stevens, or I'm sorry, after Torrey continually pinned them back. So, uh, you know, he was he was phenomenal. I know you're, you're way too young to remember Reggie Roby, but uh, he was, uh, you know, the All-American punter for Iowa in 1981, averaged nearly 50 yards a kick. Torrey's right there. Uh, and, and even Kirk Ferentz, who, you know, would build a statue for Reggie Roby if he could, uh, who became a great punter for the Miami, Miami Dolphins, um, said he is – Torrey is now Reggie Roby's equal in terms of his impact on a game as a punter. And so uh, you, you, it's just a – to me, it's a, it was a great Hawkeye win because you, you had the star on offense, Leishon Williams, the star on defense, Sebastian Castro, and the star on special teams. Tory Taylor, uh, what a game. I mean, this is how I was going to have to operate the rest of the season if it wants to get to a Big Ten championship because obviously the optimism of the offense taking a major step forward is all gone, and that's a lot in part just due to the injuries. If you look at the sheer volume of guys out, uh, Luke Lachey out, Eric All out, Cade McNamara out, uh, Jazz Patterson and Caleb Johnson are back, but they both missed time. Um, there's just, I mean, there's just the odds are stacked against them in terms of the injury. So you have to make up for that in other ways. And that's going to be the defense getting to that elite status, which it feels like it's trending that way and and making up for it in special teams, doing the little things, creating turnovers. Iowa did that against Wisconsin. And and you look at the advantage that it gives you, uh, having Tory Taylor, that it feels like this is a defense that, you know, can kind of sense blood in the water when an opposing offense is, has its back to the wall. And to be able to pin someone back there and, and give the defense that type of uh, advantage is huge. And then plus with Drew Stevens, um, you know, I was offense really struggling to finish drives and really even get into the place to where they can even finish drives. But um just, you know, allowing the, the offense some more breathing room of just being able to push it in uh, to field goal range. And then if, if Drew Stevens can capitalize on that, you feel good enough about the defense uh, to, to hold on that. And, and then you throw in two points from a safety. So you hope that maybe the offense can can make strides moving forward. I, I don't know how high its ceiling is just because with Deacon Hill being so young and now, you know, just – uncertainty with Eric all. So, um, but yeah, this is, it's, they're just going to, this is going to have to be at the, the rest of the way out. If you know, it's not going to be pretty. So if you want to see pretty football, you're not turning into the right game, but. Yeah. I just made the mistake of looking at some more Twitter comments. I'm just, I'm so sick of some of you people. I, I can't believe you can't be at all happy about these, these wins. Uh, and you're so, so, 
uh, consumed with aesthetics, yeah, the offense is not good. And but they, you know, Deacon Hill did what he had to do, uh, and they they kind of took the game out of his hands uh, to to get to the finish line in this one. All right, let's get to some three word headlines. Uh, I got to get back to writing. So uh, there were some really good ones here. Uh, uh, Stephanie Stitcox cut the cheese. Great job. Uh, Hawkerella had a couple good ones. One of them was Ferentz Ball affirmed. And then also punting is winning. Uh, so uh, my friend Chris Bryant, I like this one a lot. Tyler Leishon, Sebastian, victory with Tory capitalized. Thought that was really uh, clever. That's clever, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome back, Gabe Johnson, brother of the Ryder Cup captain, uh, Zach Johnson. Uh, always uh, comes in with about eight or ten headlines and um, – he had a few good ones here. Uh, bull by horns. Of course, Iowa wins the Heartland Trophy, the battle for the bull. And then uh, old school win. It really was old school. Um, an old school win. Do you have a Do you have a three-word headline from home, Tyler, or any favorites? Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. I, I've been writing my uh, – my own longer headlines in my head. So. <laughs> yeah, we got to fill a bunch of characters, right? Now. Yeah, I don't know if I have one. Um, Ethan Schmidt says, uh, "Bet the under." Uh, yeah, the under was an easy, easy winner today. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, how about this one from uh, "This Is Me"? Castro stock rises. Man, I just. Uh, it, if if anyone's looking closely, he's he's playing at an all American level, uh, Sebastian Castro. He might be as as good as Cooper DeGene is. Sebastian Castro might be might be the best player in this defense through seven games. And maybe that's a strong statement, but he is playing his butt off. It, it felt like he was kind of before he was sort of like the unsung kind of overlooked part of the defense. And I think that narrative has kind of changed over the last few games just because of the role that he has had in, in the pick six he had against Iowa State. And it just feels like this has truly been like his kind of breakout onto the big stage. At Radio Hawkeye. Hey, here you go. Uh, enjoying this one. Hey, there's a concept. Enjoying a win. Uh, the abstract truth deathmatch winner. Uh, here, it's kind of a good one from Bob Cobb, and maybe we can launch into our next topic or, or kind of the rest of the season here from here, Tyler. He says, "We want Indy?" Question <laughs> mark. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's any chance that Iowa wins the Big Ten championship, but obviously, you want to have a shot, and uh, uh, you know, winning a big, t- winning the Big Ten West would mean a lot uh, to this program. And right now they're six and one with, uh, you know, even with the injuries, Tyler, I don't think there's any chance Iowa will be an underdog. I don't want to say any chance. Definitely not in the next four. I could see him maybe be an underdog at Nebraska if Nebraska starts looking good to end the year. But uh, can we assume this Wisconsin team is going to lose to Ohio State in a few weeks? Yeah, that that seems like a fair assumption. (laughs) So, so I if Wisconsin loses that game, and we don't even know what Tanner Mordecai's status is, it looked like a hand injury, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they play at Illinois next week, which won at Maryland. That was the shocker of the day. How about Today? that? Huh? Yeah, they won at Maryland. Oh my gosh! Twenty-seven, twenty-four. 
So maybe the Big Ten West. They just lost, they just lost in Nebraska at home. Like it looked terrible. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not declaring the Big Ten West any good at all. It's not good. It's not good. But uh, Wisconsin does play at Illinois next week. So I mean, but anyway, let's say Wisconsin loses just once more. Tyler, Iowa needs to go. Sorry, four and one in the next five. Where where are the biggest trouble spots, in your opinion? And, I'll, and then I'll go uh, home against Minnesota, bye week, Northwestern at Wrigley, home against Rutgers, home against Illinois at Nebraska. My two, I think that might be the most difficult. One is the Rutgers game because they played they they've been they've played pretty well this season. They stayed in it with Michigan at the Big House. So that one I think could present some challenges. And then the one at Nebraska, because you look at Iowa could be in the exact same situation that it was at the end of last season with, hey, you just need to beat Nebraska to get to the Big Ten Championship. Last season, they weren't able to do that. Can they finish the job this season? Um, you know, I think that could that could be one. And also just in terms of like the, what you were saying about do you, if you're an Iowa fan, do you want to go to the Big Ten Championship game? knowing that in all likelihood and it's going to probably going to be a blowout one, I would say my message would be when could you possibly get back there? Because, yeah. Right. Because starting next season, divisions are gone. USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, all come in the top two teams from the entire big 10 get in. It's going to be an uphill battle to even get back there starting next season. So I think, hey, you got to welcome that because you got to enjoy it because you don't know when Iowa might get back to that game and that level in the Big Ten again. And then if you get in the game, in all likelihood, Iowa probably would not win. But it's it's a it's a game. They're not just gonna roll over and you know declare the other team having won because they're the favorite. It's like anything can happen. That's why sports are fun. So you still have to play the game. You still have to compete. Anything can happen. Exactly. So that's the message, really. Just, I mean, I would enjoy this if I were you. You don't have to listen to me. But, uh, you know, if, if it were me, I would try to enjoy life and not uh, hate life, uh, even after, after your team wins. Uh, Michael Penix says this about Washington moving to the Big Ten. They better be ready. So to echo your point, Tyler, um, it, it is going to get a lot more difficult next year. But uh, I don't know. Do you think without Eric All, <laughs> probably for the season now, no Luke Lachey, no Cade McNamara, um, I, I guess I didn't finish the earlier thought about which games are tougher. But honestly, they're all going to be tough. <laughs> There's really not going to be anything easy with this team, no easy ones. So I, I would put them all as still tough. I do that, definitely would not think four and one is a foregone conclusion. Uh, because the margins are so thin and they've kind of gotten away with it the last three weeks. So to think this team is going to cruise to the Big Ten West title still is not valid, but I feel really good about the direction this defense is trending. And Noah Shannon probably only going to miss one more game. Um, that's good news. That's huge, especially because YA Black – uh, looked like he left with an injury late in that game. So uh, nothing is going to be easy for this team the rest of the way. And uh, I'm kind of curious to see kind of how they navigate it. You know, uh, can they just keep, can they just run the ball? 
I, I have a feeling teams aren't going to let them do that. No, I'm, at some point, Deacon Hills, they're going to need to open it up because, I mean, you could just have teams putting 10 guys in the box. Right, right. And, I mean, the other thing, and I feel like we've been talking about this the last handful of weeks, but, like, Iowa's wide receivers are going to have to step up at some point because at, at the end, like, at some point, I was going to run out of tight ends to throw to. Um, <laughs> and, like, the, the wide receivers are talented. I don't think talent is the issue as much. Like, Nico Ragini has proven he can do it at the college level. Caleb Brown is obviously a talented guy. Seth Anderson is obviously talented. Deontay Vines, I mean, he he hasn't been established at this level, but I think he can do it. And th- those guys, like, it, it's been a really rough go of it, but Deacon Hill is going to need someone to throw to. And they seem like they can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, when or if ever. But I don't think, like, the talent is an issue. I don't know if you feel differently. But, you know, we just haven't seen it enough. Like, they just haven't been able to catch it. Not enough opportunity. Little combination of all that. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't seem like – there's. it seems like there's no confidence right now within the receivers. You know, only two catches today for 13-year-old yards. Uh, for receivers, both by Nico. Eric All ends up being the team's leading receiver today. Uh, <laughs> he got hurt in the, on the second drive, uh, two catches for, for 19 yards. Uh, Deacon Hill was uh, one for four passing in the second half for three yards or one yard, one yard, one for four for one yard in the second half. And Iowa won. Iowa outscored him <laughs> eight six in the second half. Well, I was also I was looking at the uh, season stats before the game, and um, I'm I was curious to see how long this will keep up. But Luke Lachey is still the second leading receiver on the team. <laughs> he hasn't played since the third game. He's basically played like two games and barely a little bit more than that. And he's still the second leading receiver. So we'll see how long that lasts into the season. Yeah, I mean Eric all Luke Lachey may end up the lead. I mean, that's, you're right. At some point, they've they're going to have to get some passing yards elsewhere. I thought one of the uh, best play calls of the game was thrown deep on the first play of the second half. Cause yeah. I bet Wisconsin came out of the locker room thinking, okay, we got, we're going to attack the run. And Iowa at least showed the deep ball and it wasn't really that far off. I don't know how it looked on yeah. TV, but it, it really right. wasn't that far off. It, it was a it was, it was off, but it wasn't. Like, <laughs> I mean, in comparison to what we saw last week, like it wasn't that bad. But, exactly. But I know. I mean, I think that's fair because Deacon Hill has the arm to do it, and yes, I mean, it's like swinging at a pinata. Like eventually, you're probably going <laughs> to hit. You're going to hit something at some point if you keep giving it yeah. a try, and it'll keep yeah. him honest. So I, I don't, I don't fault that at all. I think I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, and this was his best completion percentage in a game so far: six or fourteen. So, <laughs> progress. Oh, man. All right. I got to let you uh, get better, get some Kleenex. Tyler, thanks for toughing it out. And um, I guess I'll, I'll talk to some of you guys at Crossover Kinnick. Try to enjoy the win. Uh, I'm going to go back and keep writing. Thanks, yeah. Tyler. Good to see you, bud. Have a safe trip back. All right. See you Tuesday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.